Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Welcome to 2022, everybody, even if I say the sports calendar doesn't reset till after the Super Bowl. It's a new year, and BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best wagering action in the new year. You can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code BLEAVE. B-L-E-A-V, when you sign up with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, everybody. You know what that music means. It's time for another wonderful, fantabulous episode of Wired Up. This is Wired Up episode 105 here on the Take It Easy podcast. Welcome in, everybody. I hope you all are having a fantabulous day. We have a great show planned for you all here today. We are going to have the Tom Brady conversation, because this seems to be the perfect place to put it, right? Having the Tom Brady conversation mixed in here with some conference championships Sunday. Uh, It's going to be a wonderful, lovely podcast here today. Two parts here. One is going to be Tom Brady specific, and the other is going to be about this really era of football as a whole. It's where I'm going to start here, because Tom Brady is going to retire. Let's put that first and foremost out there. I know that everyone is doing the thing. They're jumping to the wrong conclusions for the right reasons. When people are saying that Tom Brady hasn't technically retired yet and Adam Schefter got it wrong. Uh, But Tom Brady is going to retire. Um, The report by Adam Schefter is that Tom Brady is planning on retiring. We don't know when Tom Brady is going to do the official retirement but Tom Brady is going to retire. Adam Schefter didn't say Tom Brady is going to retire and he's scheduled a press conference for tomorrow. It's that Tom Brady is going to retire sometime coming up here. In the report, Adam Schefter says specifically, and I feel like this is the part that a lot of people are missing on this story, is that Adam Schefter said, quote, It is unknown when Brady will formalize his plans to retire, but that move will be made with consideration to not upstage the NFL's postseason games, including the Super Bowl, in two weeks. So he will probably retire sometime between the Super Bowl ending and free agency happening because, you know, the year starts in the NFL calendar on March 11th. So sometime between the end of the Super Bowl and March 11th, Tom Brady will announce his retirement. And that's all this story is today. I know it has Adam Schefter's name behind it, and it's Tom Brady. So everyone, as Adam Lefko called it, just unloaded the chamber on their Tom Brady love and congratulations. Everyone's, they're going to have nothing left to use once Tom Brady announces his retirement in February, but people get cuckoo about Tom Brady sometimes, and so that's what people do when it happens. People are quick to forget. Jay Glazer told us Drew Brees was retiring last year. He did it before the game that the Saints got eliminated. We all watch Drew Brees walk off the field and say, that's it for Drew Brees, and 
Drew Brees did retire. Did he do it in March? Yes, he did, but he did retire. And we were all in purgatory last year of, oh, will Drew Brees come back? Oh, he's doing workouts with Cam Jordan. What's this? No. All this is saying today is Tom Brady knows the decision is going to be retire. It doesn't mean it's going to happen now. So that one irritated me on the internet, but people go cuckoo for Tom Brady sometimes, a lot of times. So the thing that pisses me off more than anything is I talk about appreciating greatness. And later on, I'll talk about my story of appreciating greatness with Tom Brady. But, you know, people appreciate, people fail to appreciate greatness, but except when it comes to Tom Brady, people always appreciate the greatness of Tom Brady. What I find interesting about this and trying to do the topic that, you know, brings some new perspective to it, because otherwise it's boring for me to be like, wow, look how magical Tom Brady is. It doesn't get the brain working to, to not be able to formulate my own thoughts and opinions as I write a three-hour story about the Los Angeles Rams that I hope you guys will get to hear on Tuesday next week if the Rams win. Even if the Rams don't win, I'll use it at some point. But the point being with Tom Brady, this is a story of Tom Brady's retirement, but Tom Brady retiring is the perfect ending to this era of football. And when I say this era of football, I mean the era of when I was a child and when what is regarded as the most popular era of football. And we talked about this with Gage Bridgeford last week, which is Football operates within the context of the prism of 2000 to 2005. This was a time where nationally football became the most dominant sport in America. Football was the most popular sport in America going back to the 1990s. Football was the king sport beginning in 2000 with the uh, post 9-11 Super Bowl and the Patriots winning going through the early 2000s with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, football became king sport. Football became what we think of it today as football is one, and it's way ahead of every other sport in America, and 76, I think this last year, 76 of the 100 highest rated broadcasts were football games. College football is probably number two for this reason because of our infatuation with football as king sport in America, and specifically the NFL as king sport in America. And so because a lot of casual sports fans were moving into football as it becomes the sport that you're seeing on SportsCenter, as it becomes the sport that you're reading about on the internet and hearing about on talk shows, as people are moving into football fandom, they view that as their prime of their football existence. Because if you started watching football then and you're still a football fan today, 20 years later, it means you really loved some part of it. Some part of this game you really, really loved if you're still willing 20 years later to keep watching it. And so that first love of sport, and this happens with everything, is that our, our minds get tricked into thinking that the prime of our life or the prime of something that gives us happiness is always the best. And this is just classic... Um, this is classic brain chemistry of the first high is always going to be something that you keep chasing over and over and over again. And the high, the, the biggest high you possibly get is a thing that you keep chasing when it gives you happiness or in the case of football, dopamine 
or serotonin or whatever or oxytocin if you really have a loving relationship with your team although i'd argue sports teams are a one-way relationship but it can still produce oxytocin in your brain sometimes endorphins if you're really sweating and all of that but all of it is basic brain chemistry is that you're chasing an emotional high that ultimately just comes down to chemicals inside your body and because of this Our frame of reference for football comes from Brady and Manning because when we're talking about casual football fandom as a whole, which the largest analysts of the game, the uh, people who do the broadcasts, the things that the NFL puts out is meant to hit a broad range of people. It's meant to encapsulate the broad range of people that they want to advertise to, and that is Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, to a lesser extent Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers to and Drew Brees. That is that era of football. And you can throw Tom Brady, I mean, not Tom Brady, you can throw Tony Romo in the mix for Cowboys' sake, uh, even though Tony Romo came into the league later. You could put Tony Romo in the mix there because of the team that he played for and the, you know, the star on the helmet. But all of those guys come to encapsulate an era of football that was extremely, extremely popular and for the growth of the NFL, for the NFL becoming king sport and what leads to billion dollar television contracts for the, for the national football league, uh, you know, close to a trillion dollars over the past 25 years in television contracts alone for the NFL and exploding franchise valuations and the sport being worth the rough equivalent of $70 billion when it was worth $14 billion at the beginning of the century. That's where football is king sport kind of, blows up and now they make five times as much money as they did 20 years ago and so because they have an audience people's frame of reference comes from that time period and this time period extended into the 2010s because those quarterbacks remained relevant for a long time those players that the nfl spent so much money and time advertising as the faces of the league for a decade I know Philip Rivers doesn't exactly fall into that category and he also had Ladanian Tomlinson during his best years Uh, you could throw Eli Manning in the mix here too as well I know some people included him on their list of wow an era of football is over you can put Eli Manning in here too because Eli Manning will get into the Hall of Fame even if he doesn't deserve it because of his family name but Eli Manning Philip Rivers Ben Roethlisberger, I didn't mean to do the four guys in the or the three guys in the 2004 draft class, along with Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, those guys come to encapsulate an era of football that led to the exploding popularity of the NFL. And part of the exploding popularity of the NFL is the Patriots dynasty. The Patriots dynasty comes to encapsulate everything that was during that period. The Indianapolis Colts were always great. But the Patriots had their number every single year. It was only when a Hall of Fame coach decided to coach the Indianapolis Colts. Tony Dungy's, I know we, we talk about like the five, seven coaches who are totally interchangeable in the NFL, or who, who aren't interchangeable in the NFL. Tony Dungy choosing to go to the Colts was the thing that helped expand the Colts dynasty. And then Tony Dungy leaves. Jim Caldwell slides in. They have success with the the formula still sticking together, they make a Super Bowl, lose to the Saints. Aaron Rodgers starts to come into the picture, but we don't think of Aaron Rodgers by this definition of era of football because Aaron Rodgers didn't start taking off until the 2010s. But the 2010s come to be 
this renaissance of football from the 2000s, the problem was people were used to the high of them getting into the sport in the first place that even Peyton Manning of the Broncos years was always held up to the standards of Peyton Manning from the Colts years. And Tom Brady was never as good in the 2010s as he was during his physical peak between 2007 and 2010. Really like 2004 to 2010, but let's say 2007 to 2012-ish at ballpark. Those are the best physical years of Tom Brady's career. Tom Brady was never that good during the past decade. They won four championships because Tom Brady was good enough, but it wasn't Tom Brady of those years where he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and in the physical prime of his career. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, even during that renaissance period where the Steelers had the killer bees and Big Ben was making deep playoff runs again and the the Denver Broncos were replacing the Colts and Peyton Manning won MVP in 2013 and made a Super Bowl twice in four years with the Denver Broncos. Even those teams didn't stack up to people's expectations because on a grandiose scale, the NFL was never going to recapture that magic again. And they didn't need to, by the way. The NFL had become the standard bearer of the sport. And so they didn't need to recapture what they had in the 2000s of people's interest. I'm not saying for better or for worse, the, the sport was better than what it was. In people's minds, Mid-2000s Tom Brady was always going to be stacked up against every Tom Brady of the past few years, and this is part of the appreciate greatness thing that I think we did some of, but we didn't do enough of during that run for the Patriots and the Broncos and the Steelers. We laugh at the Steelers now for not getting to a championship with Big Ben and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, but those teams were incredibly, incredibly fun to watch. And the Pittsburgh Steelers had a solid enough defense to remain relevant during this entire run of football. And as we aged out of the 2010s, borrowed time that these players had was slowly starting to run out. But even as we got, I mean, Peyton Manning, it ran out earlier than everyone else. Peyton Manning just went into the Hall of Fame this year before all of everyone else in his era retired like five years later because... Peyton Manning was five years older than all of those guys. It just happened to be Peyton Manning peaked late in his career and his core, his prime ended up being like a normal prime, like 15 years of football, which is longer than history had suggested before. But Peyton Manning had 15 great years of football, which is great unless Philip Rivers has 18 and Drew Brees has 18 and Tom Brady has 22 years of great football. I know Tom Brady wasn't great for all 22 years, but Peyton Manning had like 15 great years of football, and at the end, it all fell apart on him earlier than it did for everyone else of his generation. But for everybody else, they all got the extended careers. They all got to continue being relevant deep into their 30s. I know Tom Brady gets to go till 44, but he gets to be the embodiment of that era. Drew Brees played into his 40s really, really well. Like, people forget 2000, or not into his 40s well, late 30s. 2018 Drew Brees, the year that the Saints 
were the one seed and lost on the pass interference, that Drew Brees was MVP good at 38 years old. It was only when Drew Brees hit 39 and had an injury the equivalent of being in a car crash where he breaks 13 ribs and has an ankle injury and breaks his thumb against the Rams in a regular season game and they go to Teddy Bridgewater. It's only in the middle of his age 39 season that Drew Brees ends up starting to look like Peyton Manning did at the very end of his career. I still attest, if Jameis Winston had played last year, the Saints would have gone to the Super Bowl. Maybe not win the Super Bowl, Saints would have gone to the Super Bowl if Jameis Winston played instead of Drew Brees last year. But Drew Brees, the fact that he played to age 38 looking like an MVP is remarkably unheard of for the time. The fact that Aaron Rodgers wins two MVPs, and Aaron Rodgers doesn't really count in this group, But the fact that Aaron Rodgers goes into his 40s winning MVPs and late 30s being back-to-back MVP is really freaking remarkable. And Phillip Rivers, I know he didn't play great at the very end, but Phillip Rivers being able to play until he was 38 and then one more year with the Colts where they still made the playoffs, not because of Phillip Rivers, but Phillip Rivers did just enough to get them to the playoffs. And the fact that Big Ben made it all the way until he was 40 is not something that we're used to in the sport where they're still relevant in the sport even into their late 30s. And this is a Tom Brady thing because, of course, Tom Brady played until he was 44 years old. But Tom Brady played until he was 44 years old because that's what Tom Brady decided he was going to invest every single bit of his effort into. And with the help of Alex Guerrero and the help of TB12 and all of that stuff, he achieved that goal. Like Tom Brady played until he was 45 years old. He will turn 45 in August. Tom Brady played football until he was 45 years old. He accomplished exactly what he wanted when he set out that goal back in 2013 to play until he was 45 because Tom Brady could have absolutely aged out of the game the same way Peyton Manning did. Late 30s, remarkably long career by the standards of every You know, Dan Marino was toast at 35. Troy Aikman was toast at 35. And it's like, okay, that's normal. Now you see them age slightly, play well into their late 30s. And we're like, okay, you know, technology's gotten better. Medicine has gotten better. Humans are generally living longer than they ever have before. Quarterbacks aren't taking as big of hits as they used to. It's normal for guys to play longer into the NFL. And by the way, it's good for the NFL business model that those guys continued playing well into the 2010s. And the NFL changed the rules after Tom Brady injured his uh, ACL in 2009 to protect the quarterbacks because it's good for the business model to have Drew Brees winning MVPs at, or not winning MVPs, but finishing at the top of MVPs at 38 years old and Aaron Rodgers winning multiple MVPs at 38 and 39 years old. And it's great for Tom Brady to win an MVP at 41 years old. Why? Because people really do the appreciation level on those players because that's where for a lot of people, introduction into football felt like this was the great era of football. Most of the people covering now in their 20s and 30s were children or just getting into the media game when this all was happening. And so the people who are covering the sport who don't have the perspective of an of any level of the NFL not being the most popular sport in America, 
the entire ethos of their sports existence, which for people covering football or covering basketball, that's a large portion of their life and emotional stability. It revolves around those guys in the NFL. It's not entirely those guys. Like There are eras that came and went, but the consistency of those guys being at the top is something that was always easy to identify when trying to do the analysis of football. It's that Tom Brady, for 20 years, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Ben Roethlisberger made uh, and Patrick Mahomes made 19 of the 20 Super Bowls in the NFL. 19 of 20 Super Bowls in the AFC had either Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, or Patrick Mahomes. The only ones that didn't, Joe Flacco one year, and Rich Gannon is kind of the cutoff point in 2002. For 20 years, it's those guys. And then on the NFC side, it's seven NFC, well, six NFC championships for Aaron Rodgers. And the 49ers are going to have a Colin Kaepernick and an Alex Smith and a Jimmy Garoppolo and a strong defense and a Legion of Boom here. But overwhelming, and Drew Brees is going to be right at the top. Drew Brees is always going to be at the top. Aaron Rodgers is always going to be at the top. Uh, Eli Manning's going to win a couple championships in there. I know I keep skipping over Eli Manning because Eli Manning, you can't tell the story of the NFL without Eli Manning, and that's why he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. The point being here is the NFL wanted those players to continue into the 2010s because they could keep up the magic that they captured in the 2000s because it worked, right? The NFL, not because of the players themselves, but then once the NFL gained the popularity because of television contracts and the you know the the change of sport watching in America and people uh, being turned off by the steroids in baseball and the dead ball era in the NBA and world soccer not really coming over to America yet, and by the way, the competition for uh, rights to television that became from streaming services in the 2000s, whether it be uh, movies going straight to home or movies going to streaming services or television being created or original content from streaming services and having media giants uh, really fall by the wayside with the decline of cable and cable television and rise of alternative viewing habits and just so much entertainment. Like from entertainment being something that was uh, uh, becoming a massive economy in the 2000s and 2010s, in the in America, by those metrics, the NFL was destined to succeed. They then once had once they had the audience marketed those stars, and this is for better or for worse. The other underlying problem of this is the NFL marketed their white star quarterbacks because the NFL felt that they didn't, and they still feel this way today. They don't want to be too black or too brown of a sport. Because that would be a turnoff for people in middle America. And the NFL had captured this wide-ranging audience. And so they became a corporation that said, how can we keep everyone involved? And how can we keep everyone at the television watching football? With end racism, stop hate. I would love those things. And they're also not any concrete statement of wanting to make actual real change. And so... The NFL doesn't want to be, and by the way, they blackballed Colin Kaepernick from the sport because they didn't want to be seen as too black and too brown and did not want to upset middle America or the president of the United States at the time. And so this is where 
the NFL has their dark sides to this story and the part that's a problem because they did not promote they didn't promote Champ Bailey, they didn't promote Michael Vick, they didn't promote Colin Kaepernick the same way that they promoted white quarterbacks for 10 to 15 years in the sport. But those quarterbacks kept providing them the audience because they were the best that they had at the most important position in the sport. And so into the 2010s, they got to recapture that magic. And what Tom Brady represents now is the end of that era. Maybe the pandemic signifies it because the 2020s begin when the pandemic starts. And I don't know if the pandemic sped up this process or not. I don't know why in the two years after the pandemic, you have Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Tom Brady, and Sean Payton all retire one after the other and the possibility of Aaron Rodgers retiring one after the other. I'm not sure why that's the case. But that ended up being what happened. And even in the time since the pandemic happened, if you want to go back to 2019, when all of this was starting to change, um, you you saw Patrick Mahomes take off as the next kingpin of the sport. Like, you know, basically should have gone to four consecutive Super Bowls. Greatest run of four-year dominance in the NFL of my lifetime is what the Kansas City Chiefs have done. And you see Lamar Jackson win an MVP in his early 20s. And one of the things that was interesting here is that the NFL also relied on these players to continue into the 2010s because between 2012, no, between 2009 with Stafford and Matt Ryan and 2017, there really were not great quarterbacks that were drafted. Andrew Luck is the one exception at the top of the draft, and he's now retired, of course. But the best quarterbacks to be taken in that group from 2010, let's say post Cam Newton, who has his own issues because everyone thought Cam Newton was too black because he was a big black man who ran the football a lot and they wouldn't give him penalties because he was a big black man. And there's a, you know, science that believes that there's scientific evidence that proves white people are inclined to believe that black people don't feel as much pain as white people, which is why you see in in hospitals all the time an exponential rate of black patients going into hospitals and dying uh, because they weren't given enough amphetamines or enough morphine or enough to keep them alive relative to uh, white counterparts. So let's say post-Cam Newton through the Patrick Mahomes draft in 2017 with Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck... Russell Wilson, third round pick, so no one was talking about Russell Wilson at the time. Dak Prescott, fourth round pick. The next best first round quarterback might be Teddy Bridgewater because it's a lot of Blake Bortles, Brandon Whedon, EJ Manuel, Geno Smith, Robert Griffin III, Jake Locker. It's not great in the in-between. And then Jared Goff, Carson Wentz were top two picks, Paxton Lynch, got taken in the first round. Derek Carr, who, you know, is fine, but he was a second-round pick. Those quarterbacks that we had come to know as the great quarterbacks of the sport were still the great quarterbacks of the sport. And so this era was so dependent on those people from the 2000s to continue carrying the torch, and the NFL set up rules to protect them and let them continue to be great into their late 30s, and in the case of Tom Brady, into his 40s. And now, the 
learning curve has caught up is that now we have Patrick Mahomes, who's now carrying the torch as the face of the NFL, the same way Tom Brady and Peyton Manning picked it up from those Cowboys teams. And for, you know, a period of time, there's a transition in there. There's the the Rams dynasty that came and went with Kurt Warner being good, good American values. Kurt Warner, who the NFL used as propaganda left and right and left and right with putting his wife on the screen and talking about middle of America man who's a grocery store worker becomes MVP of the NFL. They did that for a while. You know, they they started that period um, post. You know, they did it with Brett Favre a little bit. But post-Dallas Cowboys, which was a massive boom for the NFL, was the the mid-1990s. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning carry the torch for them at a perfect time where uh, cable television is changing and streaming content rights are coming into focus and and entertainment is booming. Like uh, baseball's way down, basketball's way down. You're seeing a boom of entertainment for football and people sticking with football and the NFL capitalizing on this. And now they have someone to carry the torch for them. 2018 is what I regard as like my nirvana for football. And think about 2018 as an NFL year. This was the transition period that the NFL had been waiting for for 15 years. It was young upstart Kansas City Chiefs team with Patrick Mahomes. It was the Rams, Sean McVay, Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley, who I still say to this day is the greatest running back I've ever seen play football. And then you have the Saints and the Patriots. Drew Brees, Sean Payton, guys of a dynasty era. The Patriots still staying alive. You know, this is the team of this era of football. And the Patriots existing for as long as they did was absolutely remarkable given how difficult it is to remain relevant in the NFL. And now the NFL has their Patriots in the Kansas City Chiefs. You have the greatest offensive coach in the history of the football, in the history of football, with the greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football. And you have what was previously Bill Belichick, the smartest defensive coach in the history of football, and the greatest winner in the history of team sports, Hall of Fame quarterback, and that Patriot way. The NFL got their Patriots. They got the Kansas City Chiefs. And so over the past two years, 20 years of a sport disappeared. All of them aged out. All of them retired. None are left. Eli Manning retired after 2019. Ben Roethlisberger retired this year. Tom Brady retired this year. Phillip Rivers retired at the end of last year. Drew Brees retired at the end of last year. Within two calendar years... 20 years of NFL football, it's fading to the blackness. And the NFL is going to be just fine because the NFL has their guys now. In 2015, they didn't know who their guys were. It's a whole lot of Brock Osweilers running around out there. A lot of people were desperate to find quarterbacks, and it came at a time where the NFL came under crisis for how they absolutely botched the Colin Kaepernick situation. And so that was a real threat to the popularity of the sport. NFL ratings went way down because there was an absence of quarterbacks and they had built their entire foundation on the quarterback position. And with an influx of six young, great quarterbacks that all come into the league at the same time, the NFL recaptures that magic. And by the way, more fun to watch 
than even the 2000s football. Like, all the rules have changed as such to promote the quarterback position, and those guys are bigger, faster, stronger than even Tom Brady, even Peyton Manning, and even Drew Brees. Because Drew Brees couldn't run for shit. Tom Brady couldn't run for shit. Patrick Mahomes, freakishly athletic. Lamar Jackson, more athletic than the elite of elite athletes and happens to play quarterback. Josh Allen, Cam Newton's size with a gigantic arm. You are seeing what the NFL was looking for for a decade. And Tom Brady, who, again, Tom Brady is the player of this era of football. For 15 years, Tom Brady is the NFL at the most popular time in the sport. I'd go back 20 years even, but I don't think Tom Brady's been the guy for the last five years of the sport. He's been hanging on. He's been winning multiple championships. But for the last five years, he hasn't been the dude since the Eagles Super Bowl when he won MVP that year because we just copped out and gave it to him. Tom Brady hasn't been that dude for five years. And the thing that I find most incredible is he gets to be the one where he retires after everyone in his era. How poetic is that ending? He gets to retire when everyone is gone. He retired Peyton Manning. He retired Drew Brees. He retired Eli Manning. He retired Ben Roethlisberger. He retired Philip Rivers. And then he gets to walk away with the sport in a better place than when it was five years ago and ten years ago. It's really incredible to think about how that ending gets to go for a guy who it matters that much more to the sport because Tom Brady was the guy they sold to America as, hey, everyone's looking for this option. Here's what we got. White quarterback, great winners, 20 years of large audiences drawn to the sport, and lo and behold, 20 years later, football is keeping the cable television industry alive 74 of the 100 largest broadcasts of the last year, football games, single-handedly keeping cable television alive, or at least not alive, at least a viable, gigantic industry. And it's not going to last for more than a decade, because once these television contracts expire, you already see Amazon getting in the game. Apple wants to spend billions of dollars to get into the the sports content game. They're talking about buying Disney or buying yeah, buying Disney as a corporation. You're seeing people with way more money than CBS, NBC, Fox trying to get into the content game, whether that's Amazon or Apple. Trillion dollar companies trying to get in on the content game. And you're going to start to see how this all changes right in front of us. But that's for the next decade of the NFL to figure out. And they've got a great core to build off of to recreate the exact same success that they had 20 years ago in promoting their sport to all of America. To making it the king sport, the monopoly sport over all the other sports, make everything else niche 
football, the only national sport that captures your attention in a gigantic content age where there's never been more chances to not watch sports. Football still wins that game over America as a whole. And Tom Brady has a lot to do with it because that's what they promoted. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, throw Tony Romo, throw Eli Manning in there, even if their excellence doesn't match what the NFL promoted them as. Philip Rivers, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, all of those guys were what the sport promoted for the popularity and future growth. And damn it, it worked. And they don't need them anymore. It's like the end of Toy Story 3 as a great way to cap off this segment. When Andy gives away the toys and he doesn't need them anymore. They can go be the legends of the game. They can stop hurting their bodies. They can go back to their families. They can go start their media companies and sell their TB12 method or Omaha Productions, or Peyton's Places. Sure, they'll be propagandists for the NFL for the rest of their lives, and it'll be hugely profitable for all of them, and they'll mean a lot to people from this generation who are now in their 30s and 40s. I don't know if people watching football now without an open mind will ever come to view anything better than Tom Brady or anything better than Peyton Manning. I already say Patrick Mahomes is better than Tom Brady. Like Patrick Mahomes is incredible. And maybe I'll fall into the same trap 20 years from now. But you can now relinquish them from their services. And it's poetic justice that Tom Brady was the last of them. Tony Romo retired five years ago. Peyton Manning retired five years ago. Eli Manning retired three years ago. Breeze, Philip Rivers, Roethlisberger all walked away. All of the heroes of that era of the sport who the NFL sold for billions of dollars as their faces of what they were promoting to an audience of a hundred million people, they're all gone. And the NFL begins anew with a new set of Peyton Manning's, Tom Brady's, Drew Brees's, Ben Roethlisberger's, Philip Rivers, and Tony Romo's. It's incredible how that formula has struck lightning twice for the NFL, for a new generation all over again. You guys know what that means. It's time to talk about Sheets and Giggles. Yes, Sheets and Giggles. It's a great name for a company. Sheets and Giggles makes 100% eucalyptus bed sheet sets, duvet covers, comforters, and throw blankets. They will make you fall in love with sleep. Eucalyptus is a miracle fabric that is super soft, temperature balancing, hypoallergenic, and static free. You will wake up feeling more alive than ever before. Trust me. Go to sheetsandgiggles.com today and get the rest that you so richly deserve. Use our promo code TAKEITEASY for a 10% discount on your purchase at sheetsandgiggles.com. That's sheetsandgiggles.com. To wrap this whole thing up, let's do a, a little bit of the Tom Brady eulogy here. Or I guess not eulogy, because eulogy kind of seems like death. And this is a happy day for Tom Brady. And a happy day for maybe the NFL fans who hate Tom Brady? I don't know, whatever. We'll call it a eulogy. 
just talk about what Tom Brady means to me a little bit to make it even more cliche. What does Tom Brady mean to me? Because y'all remember, if you've listened to this podcast for a long time, a little bit of character growth with myself on Tom Brady. Because back in 2020, I celebrated the death of the Patriots dynasty, that this was the end of Tom Brady winning. And even last year, I was kind of saying, ah, the Patriots, ah, the Buccaneers, they can't do anything. No, no chance that the Buccaneers can win a championship with Tom Brady. No, they're the they're the fifth best team in the NFC. You know, they'll make a wild card. They'll maybe win one game and then they'll get bounced in the second round, which, by the way, is what happened this year when I said they'd make the conference championship. But, yeah, they'll get bounced in the second round, and they should have if they had had competent quarterback play against the Saints last year. They were, like, the sixth best team in the NFL. And the Buccaneers are pretty much done winning championships, and Tom Brady was done winning championships after this year. Um, it's really, contrary to popular opinion, it's really freaking hard to win championships in the NFL. It's really hard. It's why I don't measure success by championships. One, everyone else does it, and so that logic is kind of flawed, because if everyone's doing it this way, it's probably not correct that if you only win a championship, then it makes you great. But it's really hard to win championships. It wasn't going to happen for the Bucks after this, and Tom Brady just walks away after making it to 45, accomplished everything he wanted to, practically walks away from the Buccaneers. And so my Tom Brady eulogy goes back to the character growth of myself when it comes to Tom Brady, because when I was a child, I grew up in San Diego, born into the San Diego Chargers fandom. The Chargers never beat Tom Brady when Phillip Rivers was quarterback, never one time beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. And 2006, you have the Marlon McCree fumble. 2007, they make the AFC Championship. They lose to the Patriots. Chargers never got that close. The two best seasons in the history of Chargers football end at the hands of Tom Brady. And the Chargers never got that close again. And so Tom Brady, first of all, you're told you're supposed to hate Tom Brady because of Spygate and later Deflategate. You know, you're told you're supposed to hate the Patriots, but I wish I hadn't hated the Patriots for as long as I did because the Patriots dynasty is so fascinating as the greatest dynasty, greatest winning, greatest success story in the history of North American team sports. Like just absolutely incredible how they were able to do that in that sport across 20 years. And so the Patriots dynasty is something that I loathe. I gravitated towards the Seahawks Legion of Boom team, and then they lose in the Super Bowl on the last play of the game. I remember being so happy when the Giants won the championship against the Patriots because you were always told you're supposed to hate the Patriots. And then the Falcons one happens, and I really gravitated to the Falcons after the Chargers left. And ironically, I didn't realize the history of the Falcons at the time, but yeah, that one was brutal. And all of a sudden, the Patriots in 2018, no, 2017, lose to the Eagles. And I declared that the dynasty was done. I declared that the Patriots dynasty is dead and Tom Brady was done. And Tom Brady won two championships after that in impeccable, incredible fashion. You know, four years he won two championships after the fact. And 
Tampa Bay getting Tom Brady felt like it was a weird end of career situation for him. He didn't get the ending he wanted with the Patriots, which that part of the experiment is so fascinating, so fascinating. And I did an Instagram live going absolutely bonkers happy when the Patriots lost to the Titans in 2019. And we had a podcast at this point and I celebrated the Tana Thriller for the Tennessee Titans of saying that if they replaced Marcus Mariota with Ryan Tannehill, they would make the playoffs and being right and then having them win two playoff games and then for some reason being a Titans hater for the next five years. Or no, it's only been two years. It's only been two years. Jesus. It's only been two years since that. But anyways, the point being, the Tampa years happen coinciding with the pandemic and... At the end of the day, that's kind of the backdrop of me with Tom Brady. Even last year, I was like, ah, bleep Brady, damn you. How does he keep doing this? How does he keep making me sad? He did it to Mahomes. And that was the year where I just had to laugh at it. You know, we're going through this global pandemic. We're, you know, really tanking our mental health, being obsessed with football because we have nothing else good going for us. And this podcast is something that matters so much to me. And all of that stuff is happening at the same time. And that year, I just had to laugh it off. Because why would this make me miserable? Why would I continue to make myself miserable over Tom Brady? I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And so it was fascinating to watch Tampa Bay go through that season and see myself appreciate greatness of Tom Brady. I had to go through personal growth of appreciating Tom Brady, even as I've said for years, going back to those that last year of the Warriors team. And this was the thing that really did it for me, was that last year of the Golden State Warriors team. And I know we're talking about Tom Brady here, but this, is, this fits into the story that we're talking about here. That last year of the Golden State Warriors team, everyone wanted Kevin Durant to leave. And I said, I'm going to appreciate greatness because it's never going to look like this again. And the chance that we have this Warriors team, it's never going to look this great again. The Warriors could have won championships for eight to 10 years if they had decided to stay together. And it made everyone miserable, but they would have won the championship if that's how they had done it, staying together. And when we had it, I didn't want to lose it. And then Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson got hurt. And I'm like, now you want to appreciate greatness only when we take away their ability to do the great thing that they do that we want to appreciate greatness. And that year was the thing that kind of spun me on the appreciate greatness thing of there's no reason Lamar Jackson is bad because Patrick Mahomes is my guy. I don't have to diminish what Lamar Jackson does to love Patrick Mahomes. I don't have to diminish what Josh Allen does, even though I said Josh Allen would get benched after a 6-10 and season in 2020 and replaced by Dak Prescott. I don't have to hate the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen because I love Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes is the reason all of this exists. And I don't have to hate Tom Brady. Why? Because it's just so much energy for no payoff. And the thing that makes me upset is that we don't appreciate greatness enough, especially when it comes to Lamar Jackson. We just don't do appreciate greatness right with Lamar Jackson. And the thing that is interesting to me is that we only do appreciate greatness right when it comes to Tom Brady. Even Drew Brees, we did the best we could um, with appreciating greatness. 
But with Drew Brees, we kind of did the whitewashing of doing all the look at this commanding leader and great presence and stoic figurehead to the city of New Orleans. And he came in at a time when the city was at its lowest and as a great white hope turned around the city of New Orleans. We did a lot of that with Drew Brees, but we didn't really do the appreciation of the actual skill set that Drew Brees brought to the table. And maybe for better or for worse, maybe Drew Brees isn't a, isn't a player worthy of the eulogizing that Tom Brady is getting, at which point what does, what does anyone have to do to get the proper eulogizing of a Tom Brady? Especially when Drew Brees played like crap at the very end and we all saw the body fall apart. We all saw Peyton Manning play like shit the final season. We all saw Ben Roethlisberger, a.k.a. Jimmy Garofflisberger, play like shit the past two seasons and the Pittsburgh Steelers be kind of screwed because they don't have a quarterback and because of that it does neuter the legacy ever so slightly and it's why Tom Brady goes out as the ultimate winner right like Tom Brady won a championship with the Bucks, got tanked this year with a team that probably didn't belong in the championship like the Steelers would have or not the Steelers the Packers would have crushed them in the conference championship if they'd gotten there, but they got smoked by the Rams. They got smoked by the Rams. It just happened to be 27-27 because the Rams did dumb shit at the end of the game, but he gets to go out ultimate winner guy who, even though they got smoked, still almost came back to win, and when he said in 2013, I'm going to play until I'm 45 years old, played until he was 45 years old, at a level where his body didn't fall apart the way it did for Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, and Peyton Manning, and Eli Manning. Like, it's incredible, incredible that that's how it ended. And appreciate that. Do the appreciate greatness, because again, I said it off the top. 22 years, 7 rings. Those are the things we're going to say first and foremost for Tom Brady. But because we only do the analysis by rings, which has a lot to do with Tom Brady because we're going to do that analysis. It's going to neuter my love for Tom Brady, my newfound love and appreciation for Tom Brady. As I've shed away all my feelings of the past, because I didn't understand why as a child, I was told to hate Tom Brady and why hatred is not good for my body and why I've come to find forgiveness in myself and forgiveness in the people who have wronged me and don't really want to pass judgment upon athletes I don't understand and don't know the process that goes into the craft. And even as that's the case, and I love Patrick Mahomes because not because he's the greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football, but part of that is also saying it to drive home the point of we need to appreciate how great this man is. At the same time, it doesn't have to diminish the greatness of other people, and I've come to appreciate the greatness of Tom Brady over the past 10 to 20 years, and you know what? Maybe that's a part of character growth, and this is why I love sports this way, because sports help us grow as people and reflect an amazing quality in all of us. And we're not curing cancer here. I say this all the time. We're not curing cancer, but they can help us be better people. If we take the right lessons from sports, have a willingness to be open, it's a microcosm of society. Entertainment is a microcosm of society. Sports are actually a great, great place to learn about racism across hundreds of years in America, to learn about misogyny, to learn about why, to learn about homophobia 
in workplaces and sexual harassment within workplaces and learn about real issues that actually matter way more than football, way more than football, and learn about why it is that structures are in place that promote white supremacy and learn about why it is that people with position with large positions of power don't people who get lots of money and have control over real legitimate enterprises aren't actually as smart as you think they are and why it is important that we promote pro labor instead of pro management these are things that i have learned through the prism of sports and have become a better person because of it And one of those things from an emotional standpoint is why would I hate something irrational like Tom Brady? Why would I do that? Because it's fun? Sure. But it's also doing active damage to myself. It's like why would I choose to root for a team that actively inflicts pain on me across decades? I'm doing it with the Sacramento Kings, but I do it with a wink and a nod. With the Sacramento Kings. I don't actually watch their games, but when they become good, I'll throw some emotional stability behind the Sacramento Kings. I'm not going to be there for the crap, but I'll be there for the success. Maybe that makes me less of a fan than someone else. Sure, I'll take the, the, the lack of heartache and pain from forcing myself to spend hours upon hours upon hours watching crap over and over again. Sure, there's way more to do in life None of this shit actually matters. These are lessons I've learned from the sport. And now and now I'm soapboxing in the other direction. But the conclusion on that point is sports are a microcosm for society. And they've helped me learn real lessons about myself. And through introspection and figuring out why it is that I obsess over sports the way I did. Not just during the pandemic, but as a child. Learning real introspection about who I am and what I want. And the person that I've become. It's helped me be a better person. And I can say I am a better person, a healthier person, because of my character growth when it comes to Tom Brady. It might be just a small part of myself, but I can say that I am a better person because I have come to appreciate the greatness of Tom Brady and not hold on to the childhood traumas and hold on to the anger that I was told I was supposed to feel and learning how to process emotions through a pandemic where I was putting way too much of my emotional stability in the projects that I was working on because I had nothing else good going on in my life. All of that to say personal growth when it comes to Tom Brady is something that has really helped me. Maybe in a little bit, but I am a better person because of Tom Brady. I know it's cliche. I know it's, you know, seems weird to talk about it like that. And I hope these 18 minutes of soapboxing helps give a better perspective on this. But I can say with certainty that I am a better person today because of Tom Brady. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping into the Take It Easy podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, We will be back on Monday with NFL Monday and our memes of the weekend. Check out Walter Mitchell joining us as well here on another Wired Up episode. We recorded it on Friday. It was going to be the original Wired Up. Then we had the Tom Brady retirement that we also threw in the mix here. So check out all of that stuff. Check out last week's episodes. It is all very, very much appreciated. And thank you as always for stopping in, everybody. Take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. 
Enjoy the conference championship games that we did an absolute shit job of promoting. But not like the NFL needs actual promotion. 